This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to learn more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. Here, Reggie comments on the tradition of Vajrayana meditation that he was trained in by his teacher, Jogim Trumpa. He says that even though the teachings of the practicing lineage are widely offered, few people choose to make the full tantric journey. This talk is taken from Reggie's upcoming online course called Awakening the Body, the Way of Somatic Meditation. To register for the course, please visit dharmaocean.org. The keynote of Tantra, or Vajrayana Buddhism, as we received it, as I've received it and other people received it in the West, comes from a, an esoteric tradition in the eastern part of Tibet. Tibet as a whole is considered a Vajrayana culture because the forms and the protocols, rituals, the symbolism of Vajrayana Buddhism really permeate the culture. But as Trungpa Rinpoche used to emphasize all the time, simply doing the outer forms of Vajrayana doesn't necessarily guarantee that the inner spiritual perspective and the inner spiritual values and most importantly the journey of the Vajrayana is happening. So the keynote of this this particular esoteric tradition is important to emphasize because uh, the somatic uh, emphasis because if you if you go around you study with Tibetan teachers there are very many wonderful teachers teaching very wonderful and helpful things. But the one thing that's missing is that the engagement with the depth of one's own experience, and frankly, as we saw in the last two classes, that depth is not simply wonderful and magnificent and pleasurable and blissful. The actual journey that we're making is a very it's a very real human one, and it doesn't leave anything out. And especially it doesn't leave out all of the ways in which we are stuck as human beings and compromised by what I've been calling our second veil issues, or in the language of modern psychology, our traumatic past. For this reason, it's so interesting that tens of thousands of people knew about Trungpa Rinpoche through his early books, a book called Born in Tibet that was written in England, in the UK, before he came over in 1970. Meditation in Action, also written in the UK. And then Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism, which was the first book to appear here. 
you know, through his books, and he did also travel a very great deal. In the early years, he was in the United States, and there were tens of thousands of people who, one way or the other, had experience of the teachings that he was bringing to us. But out of those tens of thousands of people, the number of people who actually ended up studying with him was very few, relatively few, which I would say on the first three or four years, people who were seriously taking this on were probably less than 100 people, and that's not a lot of people. And even, you know, I would say that during his whole 17 years, although his community, you know, nominally had several thousand members at the same exact time, how many of those people were in a position in their lives and in their own development to really follow through on the kind of study and the kind of practice that he was hoping for from all of us. So I mentioned this to, again, to come back to our previous two classes and to just say that the kind of journey that we are looking at here is definitely not for everybody. I want to mention again the three concentric circles. The outer circle of Dharma Ocean is the teachings that Trungpa gave and that I have, in a way, recast into the language of right now. Here we are 45 years later, and we need a language and a perspective and a sort of informed posture toward the world that we live in that works for right now. So those teachings and some of the basic practices to bring us into our life, they're for everybody. They're for everybody on the planet, and we can benefit very greatly from those, as people did from Trump Rinpoche's, I would say, his outer circle, which had, you know, tens of thousands of people. And then we have the inner circle, and the inner circle is the, the ring of fire that we need to pass through in order to grow into the kind of transformation in our existential status that I've been talking about in this course. And just to restate, this ring of fire is the experience of everything that we are without judgment, without evaluation, without aggression, without you know any kind of resistance. And that's what we've been talking about that the journey is very real and it's very challenging for us, but very doable with these semantic practices. And then the, we could say, outer circle, inner circle, and then the secret circle is the Vajrayana state of mind, I would say, which we've been tapping into periodically. And you know, if you continue on this journey, it will become your primary reference point it's the openness and the utter unconditionality of our basic nature. And you know, we can talk about it in terms of the outer circle, we can experience it in terms of the inner circle, but in terms of the secret circle or the center, really, I would say, we live with it and it becomes our ally and our closest companion. It becomes our consort, really. There's a very famous story told of one of the siddhas, Indian siddhas, who are these realized men and women who held the tradition in India before it went to Tibet. 
And one day, one of these siddhas was talking to a king, and he was saying, you know, there's, there's this tradition, and it's a tradition that enables you to practice being a layperson and having your scene, whatever it is, whether you're high caste, low caste, rich or poor, it doesn't really matter. This tradition enables you to take advantage of it spiritually so that it leads you to your realization. And the king's response was, well, take a look at my setup here. You know, I don't really need what you have to offer because I have the, the wonderful torches that light up the palace at night and I get to sleep in this luxurious bed. You know, how could you be offering anything beyond that? And this siddha replies, the entire earth is my bed, my comfortable, luxurious bed. And whenever I lie down, I'm sleeping in the most appropriate and perfect and comfortable and healing and nourishing bed you could ever imagine. And for light at night, I have the moon, which is so much better than your torches. And the king goes, well, what about your consort? You're wandering around by yourself. And he goes, my consort is the space of reality. My consort is the immeasurable expanse that is the basis of my own being. And I make love morning, noon, and night with that basic space. And it brings a sense of completion and fulfillment and great bliss. And the term great bliss, which is Mahasukha in Sanskrit, is a technical term. And it refers to the fact that when we experience our world from the viewpoint of the natural state, from the viewpoint of the infinity of our own awakened being, that it's incredibly, unbelievably blissful. And the bliss is not mental, it's physical. To feel the breeze blowing against our skin on a hot day, to be sitting in meditation and noticing the people moving around us and stirring the space so beautifully with their presence and their own way of being, to experience the colors and the sounds of the world from within the immeasurable expanse of our basic state is to experience great bliss. And the king was impressed and the king was convinced. And he, all the while remaining a king, he went and he studied with this particular siddha and he himself became a siddha. So this is our tradition. And as I say, it's esoteric, which means while people within the wide field of Tibetan Buddhism, both the traditional Tibetan Buddhism of Tibet and the Himalayan countries and also now thousands of people in the West. We hear about these teachings, we're deeply inspired. But the unique feature of the esoteric tradition, the somatic lineage, is to bring about the actual experience. Without the actual somatic experience, 
while we may be inspired and we may be reassured, it doesn't really change us. And Trunk Rinpoche's message was, you are part of this tradition. And what you're being offered is, again, the, the journey that I made and that has been made all the way back. And what you're being offered is the realization and the, really frankly, happiness and understanding and the peace of mind, the joy, and the blissfulness of life when we give up our own self-centered ego project, even our ego spiritual project, and we release ourselves into the unending grace of reality itself. So, as I've been saying, the, the central feature of the esoteric tradition of Vajrayana is to recognize that the body itself abides always in a state of awakening. The body itself is fully and completely awake. And the journey of the somatic lineage of Vajrayana Buddhism is to tap into that reality and to gradually discard all the things that get between us and that fundamental state of being that is our own state of being, our basic state of being, and to live from that point of view. To download more of Reggie's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats, and to explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your spiritual journey, please visit dharmaocean.org. Our music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet, Cry of the Snow Lion.